I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. <laughs> Cameron De Silva, the managing editor from the Rams Wire, joins the show today. Cameron, thanks you for coming on today. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, quick question: the Rams Wire, you guys are under the USA Today umbrella, is that right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, I was looking through some of that stuff today. It was nice. Uh, breaking news this morning: Haskins demoted all the way to third string quarterback. Uh, the comparisons I thought were similar to when Goff first got drafted. He looked like a bust with Jeff Fisher. Then McVay comes on. They build around him, uh, and we know what's happened since. Uh, is that what you saw early with, with Goff, and is, is that what led to his development? Yeah, I think the, the shift from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay made a big difference in his development. Um, we've really seen him take off in the past couple of years, made it to the Super Bowl two years ago, and then – um, even though he had a down year last season, uh, he's bounced back nicely this year, and he's put together four, I would say, pretty good games um, so far this season. I know it's not against the best of defenses, but um, he's looked significantly better than he did last season. He's pro football focuses fourth best quarterback right now through four weeks. So he's having a good year, and uh, Sean O'Fay has a lot to do with that, whether it's just game planning and, and getting receivers open and uh, putting him in good positions to succeed. Uh, I can't say that we're not jealous of McVay when he left. What has surprised <laughs> you most about the, the head man there in Los Angeles now? Um, I don't know if there's anything that's really surprised me. Um, he, he's a really um, – he's a player's coach, I would say, and he's always taking accountability and um, not blaming the players and really – um, he blames himself more than he probably should when they do have their shortcomings, especially on offense. But um, he's just he, he's really mature behind beyond his years. I would say maybe that's kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, he just he seems like he's a 10 year veteran as a coach, um, even though I think he's what like 34 right now and still the youngest coach in the NFL. You would never get that from listening to him and, and watching him um, as a coach. But he's done an excellent job, really just coming into the role. And I, I think um, having Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator for a few years helped him and uh, really, um, really bounced him out, I guess, with, uh, with between the young and the old and the experience and the, and the new um, kind of thing that he was taking on as that coach. We were told here all the time that nobody was more detailed oriented than Sean McVay was. Uh, is he still calling the plays, or has he let O'Connell get a little bit of that action? No, he's still calling the plays. It's pretty much still his offense. Um, O'Connell is there kind of helping him throughout the week with the game planning and things like that. Um, he's also essentially their quarterback's coach, so he's been working really closely with Jared Goff. And I think that that connection has helped um, all three of them because – O'Connell is almost the middleman to um, help Goff on the sideline when McVay is uh, really – he's taken more control of the defense this year with Brandon Staley, so he's more focused on that during the game, and it allows O'Connell to, to be um, kind of a sounding board for Jared Goff and to bounce ideas off of and to, to go over what happened on the previous drive. So he is not up in the booth. He's on the sideline. 
Yeah, yep, O'Connell. I've seen O'Connell on the sideline. Okay. What does the uh, – I know it's early in the week, but what does the early injury report look like? Yeah, so they're expected to get Cam Akers and Jordan Fuller back. Um, they both missed last week. Akers has missed the last two weeks. Um, he had that rib injury that he suffered in week two. Uh, Micah Kaiser is a guy to watch because he's their starting inside linebacker. Um, he had a groin and pec strain in the in the past game against the Giants. So his status is going to be um, closely monitored. We don't know if he's going to play yet or not. I would imagine he's not going to practice at least early in the week. Um, so, but those are really the the major two injuries or the major injuries to to watch throughout the week for the Rams. But I think Akers and Fuller, based on what McVay said, are going to be back in action on Sunday. Uh, with is Terrell Lewis back this week or has he got another week of rehab to go? He, he can come back this week. He actually could have come back last week after sitting out three games, but um, the Rams designated him to return. So he practiced last week and Nick Vay said on Monday that um, there's a possibility that the Rams are going to activate him this weekend. So we'll see. Um, it might depend on how the injury, the other injuries shake up and, and what happens there, but um, it'd be exciting to see him on the field this weekend. Uh, they let Gurley go. Was that really all about the knee, or was there other things that led to that that we don't know about? Because they had just given him the big contract. It was odd they moved on so quickly. Yeah, I, I think it was it was a bunch of different things that kind of led to that. Um, the knee was one where you kind of saw that he wasn't the same running back. I think Les Snead even admitted that he wasn't the same player that he was the year before. Um, the contract was obviously an issue. They had Daryl Henderson already in there as a third round pick. So they had, they weren't really sold on Gurley after giving him that contract because of the knee issues. And I think they wanted to free up some money to be able to sign other players like Cooper cup, like, like Robert Woods, um, like Jalen Ramsey, who they all signed, uh, this off season. And it kind of frees up money in the coming years to where it gives them more flexibility. So it was the knee injury. It was the financial situation and the fact that they felt good about Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. And then obviously they drafted Cam Akers. Speaking of Henderson, who I have on my fantasy team, he hasn't really gotten it going. Is the plan at that position running back by committee? Yeah, it's been that way all year. Um, Henderson had 200 yard games in weeks two and three, and it kind of looked like he would be the starter moving forward, especially with, uh, with Cam Akers out in week four. But then Sean McVay kind of mixed things up a little bit, gave Malcolm Brown more carries against the Giants and kind of leaned on him a little bit more heavily than people would have expected because of the way that Henderson played in those uh, middle two games. But uh, with Akers coming back, I think it's going to be another committee approach, obviously, and it's going to continue where you don't really know who's going to get the most carries from a week uh, from a week-to-week basis. What did the league get wrong about Robert Woods? He's fantastic. Yeah, he's a really good player. Um, I think in Buffalo, I mean, he came into the league as a second round pick. So it's not as if he was uh, a complete, he, it's not as if he was completely overlooked, but um, he, he's a really good player in Buffalo. He was kind of relegated to a blocking role. He was number two to Sammy Watkins and wasn't getting all these targets and um, opportunities. And then the Rams bring him in and it really just takes off. And he's just such a well-rounded receiver. He can run um, underneath routes. He can run intermediate routes. He's not afraid to go over the middle. He can take jet sweeps. He can run deep. Um, he just does everything well for the Rams and they rewarded him with a contract this year.
They also gave Cooper Cup some money. Is he the number one receiver on that team? Or And then they move him into the slot? Are they moving him all around? How have they used Cooper this year? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they really have a number one receiver at all. Um, they move their guys around a lot. They shuffle them. They have Josh Reynolds. I would say Josh Reynolds is the number three, but um, it's almost one in one A and one B um, with Cup and Woods because they both line up in the slot. The Rams utilize a lot of tight formation, so they're not using a traditional X and Y and Z receiver um, in the offense, but uh, they both get – big opportunities. They both see a lot of targets and it really keeps defenses on their toes because they can't double one or the other because it, it opens up opportunities for whoever is left in one-on-one situations. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that O-line is, is pretty old now. How have they done protecting the quarterback through the first four games? Yeah, it's, a, it's actually not too old. Um, I know you have Andrew Whitworth there who's 38 and Rob Havenstein is, I think, approaching 30, but um, there's some youth. There's Austin Corbett, who was a second round pick a few years ago. Austin Blythe, David Edwards is a second year player. So there is a lot of youth on the interior. Um, Whitworth obviously raises the overall age of the group, um, but they've played well this year. Last year was a disaster. Um, Austin Blythe was playing out of position at guard. Brian Allen was really struggling at center. Joe Noteboom, who started this year at left guard um, and did the same last season before getting hurt both years. Um, he was really struggling, and David Edwards seems to be an upgrade over him at left guard. So the offensive line is playing well. They're up there in just about every metric, whether it's sacks allowed or ESPN's run block and pass block win rate. Um, so they've played well, and it's made a big difference for this offense as a whole. Is Leonard Floyd starting at outside linebacker? Yep, he's on the strong side. What is the defense that the new defensive coordinator is running this year out of the base? Yeah, it's a it's a three four. There's not a whole lot of base that they use. It's a lot of nickel with uh, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, and Troy Hill at corner. Um, so it's not a lot of base with the three four, but that is their their typical structure in base. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to believe Aaron Donald might be underrated, but it's possible. <laughs> he's got it. Yeah, he's he's pretty dominant on the interior, and um, I don't think his sack numbers do his impact justice. I know he has three and a half sacks through four weeks, but um, it could easily be more than that just based on uh, the number of times he gets near the quarterback, the number of times he draws double teams and triple teams and um, gets held on the interior. So. He really wrecks havoc on on the interior of each def, each offensive line that he goes up against, and it's a challenge every week for them. Um, he's just so quick. He's so powerful. He can win in so many different ways, and he's good against both the, the run and the pass. So um, he's, I would say, arguably the best non-quarterback in the league and maybe the best overall player in the NFL. I think I agree with you. Uh, does Ramsey travel in this defense? Will it be the Ramsey McLaurin show nope. this week, or does he stay on the boundary? No, he, I, for the first three weeks, he stayed on the boundary and, and kind of just played zone. The Rams play a lot of zone coverage, surprisingly. Um, but for the first three weeks, they played a lot of zone with Ramsey outside. Against the Giants, he moved inside to the slot for the majority of his snaps. Um, but he doesn't follow receivers. He he just matches up with wherever the Rams put him and whoever's across from him, he'll cover it most likely in zone coverage. So I wouldn't expect him to follow McLaurin. Uh, who is the 
the backup to the middle linebacker if, if he can't go this week? There's Kenny Young, who is kind of their number two inside linebacker. Um, but when Kaiser went out of the game last week, it was Troy Reader who stepped in as as kind of the number two with Kenny Young moving into the number one role. So if Kaiser can't play, it's going to be Kenny Young and Troy Reader. The Rams got a steal in Fuller. Is he the starter when healthy? Yep. Yep, he's he's been a really uh, pleasant surprise for them this season at free safety. Um, he was a six-round rookie. You don't expect those guys to come in and play many meaningful snaps, let alone start week one and start for the first three games of the season. Um, he did, he, like I mentioned, he was out last week against the Giants, but um, he's expected back this week, and he'll take that free safety role, which will kick John Johnson down to that kind of strong safety in the box um, safety position, and then Taylor Rapp will be the number three. Did the staff say at all how they felt they found him there? What, what did they see that maybe others didn't? It, it, they just saw a really smart player. Um, he was a captain for a couple of years at Ohio State, which is always impressive. Um, he's a rangy guy. He might not be the most athletic safety, but he uses his eyes well and, and plays sideline to sideline as kind of that true free safety. Um, he can match up with tight ends and, and running backs and play um, really in the box and over the top. But um, really, ju they just saw a smart player and, and players said that all throughout training camp about how instinctive and um, impressive he is as a sixth round rookie. I'd guess that that's one of those deals where the 40 time dropped him a bit. He didn't run very fast. Yeah. Either. Yeah. The 40 time wasn't all that impressive. I don't, I don't remember exactly what he ran, but it's not like it was four, four. So um, that did knock him a little bit and just uh, really the, the Rams liked what he did at Ohio state on, on film and um, examining what he did for the Buckeyes for a few years as a starter there. Have they changed up the way they do things on away games um, for the COVID stuff? Yeah, so uh, between the Eagles game in week two and then the Bills game in week three, the Rams actually asked the NFL to give them back-to-back -back East Coast games um, so that they could stay out East. But they could have done it um, even with COVID, but they essentially would have been relegated to their hotel rooms in, in McVeigh and the staff didn't want to put players through that, so they flew back and forth. Um, so I would expect them to probably leave on Saturday this week and, and get in and then uh, have the game on Sunday. Cameron DeSilva is the managing editor from the Ravens Wire. Uh, what do you guys got coming up this week? Anything? Yeah, so I just did a film breakdown of, of Ramsey, um, how he played against the Giants, kind of how the Rams used him uh, more in the slot, and then we'll break down key matchups for – for the game and then uh, talk about any concerns that the Rams might have um, with playing against Washington and, and any uh, issues that they might pose um, towards the Rams. Tell the folks where they can find yeah, you. I'm on Twitter at Cam Silva, and then uh, online we're at the ramswire.usatoday.com. Cam DeSilva, everybody. Thank hey, you. Hey, thanks for having me. Nate Coleman is back from full press coverage, Washington, to break down our behind the numbers segment. Nate, how's it going? Hey, Doug, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I love it when you come on. 
So uh, for those that aren't regular listeners yet, shame on you. No, just kidding. But Nate comes on every week. We're going to get into the analytics side of things and uh, take a closer look. The numbers aren't the whole story, but they certainly are part of the story. Nate, let's start with everybody's favorite topic, the quarterback. Yeah, um, I know there's a lot of hot debate out there about Dwayne Haskins right now. Uh, I think he had a solid performance. He kind of took what the defense gave him. He had a career high in completion percentage, yards, pass attempts, uh, and he had his best yards per attempt of the season so far. Um, A a lot of that, though, uh, I think he had 14 throws behind the line of scrimmage, and he only had five throws that were greater than 10 yards. So kind of a lot of conservative play calling. Uh, And I feel like a lot of that was due to the style of defense that Baltimore runs and then also wanting to get Haskins in rhythm and also, you know, just wanting wanting to get the ball in the hands of your best playmakers. When you don't have that many, you have to manufacture touches, kind of like we talked about last week. Game manager is a dirty word. But some of the best in the league are exactly that. Yeah, exactly. There are times where you need to be a game manager. And there's also times where you need to be a gunslinger. It really just depends on the situation. Um, You don't want to be a game manager constantly or else you'll get labeled. You know, Alex Smith was a lot like that. He he always was a game manager. um, But people always point to his win-loss record. That's kind of how they define him. Um, but it's baby steps for Haskins right now. So you'll take you'll take a game manager with with no turnovers versus what you had in Cleveland. I tell the story all the time. Uh, Andy Reid literally said he switched to Mahomes because Mahomes didn't mind throwing an interception because he knew he could throw a sixty yard bomb the next time he got the ball. Um, so I think that's what we're hoping to get to. The O-line is another one. Tell me a little bit about how the O-line looked yesterday because I think they're better than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Um, So everyone's kind of seen the tweet from PFF Washington where they talked about their their pass blocking grade was a 32.6 the first week of the season. They just got demolished by the Eagles. And a lot of teams do. The Eagles have a, a good front after all. Um, but the they are, just real quick, I saw that they are leading the league in pressures. The Eagles are. Yeah, ex- great point. Great point. You, you, we can talk about the Eagles and and make fun of them all we want, but the reality is they're leading the division, and they no team has been decimated by injuries more than them. So I think it's understandable that an offensive line would struggle against them, but uh, since since week one, the offensive line as a whole they've graded. Uh, over 70 points, which is excellent for a, a pass blocking grade. And if you look uh, on player profile, player profiler.com, their protection rate is a uh, ninth in the league. Uh, and according to uh, Nick Aldridge over at PFF and check out his work, he does a great job. Um, he said, yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Their, uh, their pressure rate is only 11th right now. So they have the 11th fewest pressures, but Dwayne Haskins has the fastest release in the NFL. So I think it's inaccurate to say that the offensive line is the reason why Haskins is struggling when they rank in the middle of the league, if not better than that, in pressure and hits. 
but their sack rate is down at 23rd. So that means when they do get pressure, they're converting at a really high rate. Converting at a really high rate is because Haskins is immobile and he doesn't know when to bail on place. He takes a lot of sacks because he, he's not very athletic and he's, he really struggles off script. He's a lot like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was exactly like this when he first start, started playing here. Sometimes you have to play off script in today's game. I mean, that's the best quarterbacks in the game all can do that. Uh, not to mention that the left side of the line has zero career. Well, Martin may have started a couple of games last year, but Jerron had limited to no starts. Uh, same thing with Martin. And Schweitzer just got plugged in. Um, so, that, again, there's a lot of inexperience on this offense, right? Yeah, yeah, great point. Yeah, there, I mean, I think there, there's really no analytic, like, metric I have for this, but I think continuity is so huge for offensive linemen. If you – the best offensive lines, a lot of times they're the group that have been together the longest. And that – it sounds kind of cliche, but, but it's true. Um, so – we really want to build that as we go along. I think Bill, I think it was Bill Parcells, and I, I may be wrong here, a thousand snaps together for the O-line to actually get continuity. Sure, and that's just a nice round hole number, but there's something there to what he's saying. You need a big sample. It's kind of like in baseball. If you got a guy who's hitting over 400, but he's only had 12 at-bats, well, that's going to round out. You know, You need a big sample to tell if this guy can really hit. And we need a significant sample to see if this line can play together. But I would say they're they're performing above my expectation right now, which is great. We talked earlier uh, this afternoon about the play action usage. It's not nearly where it needs to be, is it? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they've used it quite as much as they like. And, and I think part of that uh, is Haskins is not comfortable turning his back away from the defense. If some of our worst plays this year have been, uh, if you remember the Arizona game, we we got the ball uh, off of, uh, I think it was off of an interception, and we were getting ready to score. We were in the red zone, and we ran a play-action play out of 12 personnel with two tight ends, and Haskins just got demolished, and it was a strip sack, and it turned the momentum of the game. And uh, I, I think that's something that we just – struggle with for whatever reason he just he doesn't it's like once he drops back he doesn't move at all in the pocket once he drops back and Mark Bullock has a great article in the athletic about this but basically when you start reading defenses and you go to your first progression your second progression you you have to climb the pocket and create more time to get to those progressions and Haskins is is like a statue back there he doesn't move at all um and, and that's been a big problem with them but yeah they rank uh the first three weeks of the, of the season, they rank 28th in yardage on play action. Um, they're only averaging 4.5 yards per attempt on play action. Usually play action, no matter what, whether you're good at the run or not, or whether you've been good in that game, it, it's a amplifier for your offense. It, incre it increases efficiency across the board. And I would still say they need to use it more, um, but they just, for whatever reason, they're not. And I, I, I think part of it is Hassan's just doesn't feel comfortable with it. Some people will say in those uh, early games, it's because they couldn't get the run game going. But that's not true, is it, about play action? You don't have to run the ball to have play action work. 
Exactly, Doug. There's no correlation between run success and play action success. In fact, the smart teams will use play action at the very beginning of the game in the first two quarters, because if you play with a lead going into halftime, you have an 80% chance to win the game. So you want to use play action early and often and be aggressive. There's no, the more you use play action, your efficiency doesn't drop either. Um, so it really is a cheat code and the smart teams know that and, and use it to perfection. And you're going to see a lot of that this week when you play the Rams. You and I have talked a bunch before about pace of play. Where does the team currently rank among those using hurry up and, and fast paced offense? Yeah, they've, they've shown remarkable improvement since last year. Um, they're, their seconds per snap is seventh in the league at 24.2. So the 24 seconds per every, which is very fast. Uh, and then they rank, they actually rank second in situation neutral pace, which means like in a game where it's pretty close, they're running the most snaps per game besides uh, Dallas. <laughs> Dallas is actually running 20 seconds between snaps, which is, like NASCAR. I mean, it's so fast, but you know, the more, and if you listen to, and obviously Dallas has struggled, I know they only have one win, but you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt considering who they played. Um, but if you talk to Dallas about it, they'll tell you it's, it's about taking as many opportunities as you can to score. And that's what they've been doing is scoring a lot. So there are some things to like, uh, we're also ranked seventh in no huddle percentage. That's something that Haskins is pretty comfortable with. Um, and then overall, I think they're like 65 plays per game, which is about league average, but that has a lot to do with constantly playing in a deficit. Um, but there's different ways to win. Some teams play really slow, like Baltimore. They don't run a lot of plays, but they're incredibly efficient, so they don't need to run a lot of plays. If you're a bad team, it's better to run a lot of plays and be inefficient than, than like last year they were really slow and inefficient. That's like the worst combination you can be. Who got the uh, targets with Steven Sims out of the game? Yeah, so they did a good job, kind of like what you talked about. They must have listened to your show, but they really focused in on Terry McLaurin. He had 14 targets, uh, which is great. I mean, you, you, you want to see double-digit targets for him as much as possible. Um, but some other guys that kind of made a big impact is uh, our running backs combined for 14 targets between the three of them. I think that was a season high and that's kind of what you want to see more of. Um, I was kind of surprised that uh, Antonio Gandy golden wasn't, he wasn't involved at all. Uh, he ran, he ran some routes. He blocked a little bit, but he didn't get a single target. Instead uh, they involved cam Sims, which kind of just baffles me. I, I don't understand that. It, you watch the one play that Sims had, he had a screen and it was, I think it was the first drive of the game. Uh, it was like third and eight, maybe. Uh, Cam Sims got a, a – it was a nice screen call. that He got a nice lane to run through. And it's like he didn't know where the third down marker was. And instead of diving for the for the first down, he he tried to make a move and got pushed back. Um, I'm, I'm just not he – crum he, crum he crumpled to the ground, you're being nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't understand the fascination with him from the fan base – the first thing you hear about him when fans talk about him is what school he went to. Uh, and that doesn't matter. That's, that's not important because I can tell you he went to a big school, but he had terrible numbers. And when you have terrible numbers in college, you're usually not going to be a good receiver in the NFL. Um, 
But that's what happens when you don't have a lot of depth. You get a lot of untested, uh, undrafted rookie free agents. That's how you find Isaiah Wright or Steven Sims. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a position they're going to address early and often next offseason. Speaking of positions they'll need to address uh, next season, the tight end has not been great, even though he sees, as, as I understand it, one of the top five percentage of throws to in the league. Yeah, exactly. He ranks fifth in targets and 13th in receptions. Uh, he he ranks eighth in air yards. He The big thing with him, and we talked about this a few times, he's just not very efficient. And he's, he's not a tight end that creates separation within, you know, f- the line of scrimmage or five yards down the field. He's a guy who's a, a vertical threat. If you can get him running a seam route um, or get him running, you know, something across the middle of the field, that's kind of, he makes a big target. Um, but really they use him as more that I've seen is, is kind of a decoy. He'll run a seam route to kind of, have the zone of the defense bend back a little bit and that'll create some space underneath for receivers to run drags like McLaurin or Isaiah Wright. Um, but I, I think he can be better overall. He is getting some volume, um, but he, I, I don't know. He's just not being very efficient and his, the target accuracy is terrible. I mean, he has, he has some of the worst target accuracy in the NFL. And I mean, that's mostly on Haskins. Uh, to your point, he can't separate at all. Yeah. Um, I, I know they were hoping on him, and, and maybe he'll still figure it out, but I doubt it. What? Uh, how many uh, snaps and targets did Isaiah Wright see in, in his duty for Sims? Yeah, so Wright, he ended up uh, – let's see here. So he had five targets. Uh, he, he was – it was kind of like last week. I mean, he only had 11% of the target share, so nothing special. Um, to me, he's really just a gadget player. He's kind of like a similar to Steven Sims. I know fans get really excited anytime they see a receiver get four or five catches, but he's, he's going to be more of a gadget player. He wasn't a producer in college and he played at Temple. I mean, he, he, he never was a producer in college. Guys like that, they, they almost never pan out to be anything more than a wide receiver, five or six on a roster. So I'm excited to use him on special teams though. I'd, I'd love to see him get the full-time role for punt returns and kicks, kick returns. Um, but I mean, he, he was fine, just nothing to really write home about. I'm with you. If they plan on having Steven Sims be the number two receiver, which I'm fine with, I wouldn't have him running punts back or kickoff returns at all. Yeah, exactly. Who got the bulk of the work um, in replace of Chase Young this week? Yeah, so I think they kind of did a good job rotating. A lot of people thought they were just going to give Kerrigan a ton of extra snaps, and, and I guess he did, but they also rotated some of those back-end guys like Anderson and, and Williams and Orchard. I, I thought I thought they did a good job overall. I, they got two sacks, but they, they seemed to get a lot of pressure that entire game, and that's not easy to do against a pretty good offensive line, and obviously Lamar Jackson is back there and there's so many bells and whistles with that offense that it really is hard to hone in on the quarterback. But I thought Settle did an awesome job too. But I was impressed overall. I think the defense ranks, uh, they're like third in DVOA, and they rank in the top 10 in yards given up, yards per play. Um, they've done a good job overall. It's just a few key plays on third down. 
um, that they kind of seem to disappear a little bit. What is that? Do you have the third down uh, percentage up? Do you know where they rank for third down? I think it was 16th. Um, so they're in the middle of the league, but they do a great job on the key with defense is early down success. You, you want to pin offenses back, you know, the, the more you have to go on third down, the harder it is, obviously. So they, they've done a solid job overall. Um, I would just like, obviously, to see more from the offense. If the offense could play complementary football, it'd be a different story. Yeah, the defense has not worked with a lead yet. Sure. Uh, and they've done a good job of getting takeaways. But the big play and tight ends continue to kill them every year, and it's that way again this year. Isn't it? Yeah, they've given up the uh, second most touchdowns to tight ends. And, you know, there's a lot of variance with touchdowns. I, I don't buy into that much. You know, it just it really just depends. But we've also played some really good tight ends. Um, Arizona doesn't have a tight end of consequence. And, you know, Cleveland has Austin Hooper. He's kind of an average tight end. He's fine. But obviously playing against Ertz and Dallas Goddard and then Mark Andrews is one of the three best tight ends in, in the league. Uh, that, that's always tough. Um, I think they could do more there, more with with tight ends. I mean, it's when you when you go against Baltimore, their offense is it's complicated, but it's also not when you look at targets. I mean, all of their targets filter through two players. It's just Andrews and Brown. They don't throw to their running backs at all. They don't have a third receiver consequence. Boykin, Sneed, DuVernay. Uh, Prochet, none of them really get a lot of targets. So it, it really is easier to bracket Andrews and bracket Brown and just focus on the quarterback. But they kind of seem surprised every time they got in the red zone that Andrews is going to get the ball. And that was something I was kind of, I don't know, disappointed in. Uh, Cameron Curl watch is on. How many snaps did he end up with this week? Yeah, let me uh, pull that up. So it was kind of interesting. I, I thought that I thought Curl wouldn't get as many reps, but it seems like they they like him so much that they're playing him in the slot a lot, even over Moreland. And then I don't think Morrow got any snaps whatsoever. Um, he did, and that's two week that's two weeks in a row that Moreau hadn't had any snaps, as far as yeah, I know, which is insane because yeah. I know PFF's not everything, but he was up there, right? Yeah, PFF, you gotta. I love their stuff; it's terrific. Obviously, with grades, you have to take it with a grain of salt. They're going to be a little subjective, and I, I think people, fans, a lot of times have a hard time with PFF because if it says something negative, you're automatically going to assume it's wrong. Um, but with, with Morrow, I think they just really like Curl. If if you heard the interview today with Kendall Fuller, he kind of talked about Curl. Curl had a chance to step up during the offseason when Morrow and Fuller were out, and Curl was able to step in and really impress the coaches uh, during training training camp, and that kind of translated over to the actual season. So. I think they just want to see what they have in him, but he's another guy who could be kind of like a Swiss army knife. He can play kind of like Kendall Fuller. He can play everywhere. I lost his name. Now he reminds me of the, uh, of the former Virginia tech DB that they drafted back in the McLuhan days. It was kind of a Swiss army knife like that. Oh, Oh yeah. I can't think of the name either. <laughs> yeah. I, I, sh I shouldn't have brought it up if I couldn't think of it. Um, so, uh, one last thing for you with the linebackers. Bostic has said it in middle linebacker. That's fine. They're in, they're in love with Pierre Lewis. What is going on with 51? Deion Hamilton has not gotten any snaps, really. Do you know how many he had this last game? Yeah, let me pull it up here. Hamilton had 16 snaps. Uh, so so obviously the, the, the okay. first thing is like it's – 
Hamilton is only going to play as a backup when you play in nickel. Um, but if they play in a base defense, Hamilton, it seems like he's the third starter at linebacker. But he's also rotating with Thomas Davis, who's been hurt. Um, but I think Hamilton, they like to use in pass coverage. And Davis is probably a better thumper on, on rundowns. So they're kind of splitting touches there. But I, I don't know what they think. I, I think Bostic is, has been really good. Uh, obviously, he's gotten a lot of tackles because we're getting gashed. But uh, Bostic has really stood out to me. And then KPL, uh, he, he's a good athlete. I thought he was awesome in the Arizona game. He was all over the place. Um, but the linebackers really haven't been our main weakness. I was kind of – I thought they would be, but it's been the secondary, which I guess isn't very surprising either considering we have no depth. But but overall, yeah, the linebackers, I've, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised. All right, before we let you go, Nate, uh, why don't you give us a couple things that you'd like to see them improve on on offense and a couple on defense that would help this team against the Rams? Yeah, the Rams are really interesting because they're fun to watch. They they use all the same looks, but run a bunch of different plays out of them, um, and it'll just it'll drive defenses crazy if you're not disciplined. Um, they they love to play eleven personnel, and they also love to play twelve. But their their targets are really just funneled between three players, though. It's just Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. I think Washington is probably going to struggle against Tyler Higby. That's probably where the matchup is going to be won or lost. But um, they they present a unique opportunity, though, because their offensive line, they're a lot like us. They're not very talented, but they their play caller kind of – he masks their defen- deficiencies by calling good plays. So y- you can get pressure on them, and I think that's where the game can be won or lost. On offense, their their defensive line is going to create a lot of trouble for us. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more screens and kind of the same stuff we saw last week. Uh, But the the big thing that I would like to see is obviously you have to go up against Jalen Ramsey if you're Terry McLaurin, and that's a matchup he's not going to win most of the time. So the best thing you can do when when something like that happens is you want to put McLaurin all over the field. You want to put him in the slot so he can get more free releases, and you want to move him around with a lot of motion. That's that's kind of going to be another key to the game. Uh, Ramsey has just done a he's such a good player he he studies his butt off I mean obviously he he a lot of people talk about his antics and everything but no one prepares like he does so that's that's going to be a big key to the game and I'd like to see them uh run the ball a little bit more out of 11 personnel they've been they've been averaging uh, 4.6 yards per carry out of uh, three wide receiver sets uh, but they're terrible at throwing out of 11 personnel so maybe they can run it a little bit more out of 11 when the defense isn't expecting it and break off some big gains with Antonio Gibson. All right, Nate. We appreciate it. We'll catch you up next week. Okay, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.